0: Perspectives on energy, and that is oil prices these days. I'm Jay Fidel. Uh, This is ThinkTech. And more specifically, this is Perspective on Energy. And we have Guillermo Sabatier uh, and we have James Stanton to help us understand what is going on in the global oil markets and how Ukraine has affected the global oil markets and how those markets are going to affect us. So get your pens and pencils out. Uh, and your credit card, too, by the way, because you're gonna, this is going to affect you and your credit card. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome to the show, Guillermo and James. It's nice to see you here. Appreciate you coming on. Guillermo, why don't you take it from here and uh, help us understand.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Jay, for that warm intro. And it's great to be back uh... I missed a week, a couple of weeks ago, so it's uh, good to be back. Uh, and then today we have James Stanton, of course, the Director of Advisory Service at HSI. And uh, thank you for, for joining us today as well. So we really appreciate your input and also your, your, your help us answer a few questions as far as what we're looking at. So uh, facing what we've got going on, These last several weeks, you know, as I'm sure everybody's well aware, we we got quite the uh, global crisis uh, with the invasion of Ukraine and all of the issues that that spun out of that. Right. And one of the things that we're looking at is is now it's it's uh, Russia being a big uh, oil producer and most of the world ended up being dependent on that on that supply of oil. Uh, Now that we're not buying, most of us aren't buying oil from Russia anymore. It's certainly changed the the, the uh, spot price the, on the market for for fuel for oil and petroleum products. So, how does that impact uh, utilities that are smaller islands like Hawaii or U.S. You know, Virgin Islands or like the Caribbean or other islands in the Pacific that mostly rely on diesel for their generation? I mean, they're they they make great great strides towards the um, process of of, of becoming. Independent and also having 100% renewables, most of them are not quite there yet, right? So uh, one of the things we wanted to talk about today was was just um, how how that particular challenge is is, is facing the uh, ratepayers in Hawaii, and uh, one of those things you might see, and, and you may not have seen the effect just yet on your energy bills because uh, you know it's, it's been less than a month, right? That this all happened, so. As the uh, most utilities have uh, that pass through fuel charge, and you may see that as well in your fuel, in your uh, uh, electric utility bills once you get them. So uh, we're here to discuss may, um, what we're looking at as far as the next couple of weeks, the next couple of months, really. Hopefully, the situation get back under control. Uh, maybe we'll find some other sources of petroleum or production steps up. But in reality, while Hawaii is still Highly dependent on imported uh, petroleum products for their electric portfolio, they're they're going to be subject to these fluctuations. Now, uh, one thing I was going to refer to Jim on that is is we we had something similar happen. There, there are parallels to the mainland. The one thing was Hawaii. I mean, it was uh, ERCOT, which is Texas, and they themselves are are a smaller interconnection compared to the other two. And they had a fuel supply issue. They had a uh, freeze issue. And see if, if
2: Jim can tell us a little bit more about that, if you please. Sure, Guillermo. Happy to weigh in. And it's a good point you made about the energy prices and the spot prices um, here in Texas. We have well, thousands of producing oil and gas wells here in the state, and our prices are just the same as other folks because it's all based on that index price on the spot market. So just having thousands of oil wells nearby is no um, guarantee that you're going to be insulated from these fluctuations. So that's one thing. And you're right. um, In in February of last year, Mm -hmm. we had a a cold um, wave come through Texas, which was really unusual and caused some freezing problems, especially for fossil fuel generators, coal generators, gas generators. And it also froze up some of the gas lines supplying those generators. So it was sort of a double whammy. And um, there was was a big wake up call and we even had a couple of hundred people die in the state from cold exposure and thousands and thousands of homes with the pipes burst, froze and burst. And so now the steps are being taken at the Public Utility Commission here in Texas and even on a wider scale with NERC, the North American Electric Liability Council to put in place some measures, not only to take steps to preserve the integrity of generation in extreme weather, but also to come up with some uh, more firm fuel type products and Mm -hmm. options that generators can take. So that's two things that are going on right now.
1: Yeah, thank you, Jim. And and, uh, there there, are several options, right? Uh, uh, some that are, that are in effect right now for example hico has a performance based regulation that just came into effect uh, late last year and, and it's 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 definitely a great thing it's it, li- it aligns more with what the mainland practices are when it comes to it's Pay for performance, really, when it comes to the the how the utility performs, right? It's no longer a cost-based uh, billing; it'll be more like a performance-based billing. So, so, and a little bit of profit sharing, and that's great for the utility, for the customers, the utility, and all around the progress made uh, towards that renewable goal. But, but even then, may, that may not so- soften the immediate blow when it comes to these past. Through fuel charges, right? When, especially with, with you know the majority of portfolio is diesel. So, um, in in the near term, some of the things that the the, the items may be looking at, really, is, is uh, from from what I can see, is perhaps uh, expanding the uh, storage options, whether it's uh, existing batteries, uh, some of them are lithium based, or some some other uh, potential chemistry. Uh, in the next show, uh, actually, the guest is going to be the senior VP of. Uh, Energy storage solution, uh, no, energy storage systems. I'm sorry, uh, Hugh McDermott, and he will be talking about about that particular option. But in reality, th- these. Uh, energy storage is, is indeed a, a really effective uh, complement to the uh, variability of wind and solar, right? But even then, that's not enough to to make it to, to that 100% renewable goal. And you still have the complement that was something else. And geothermal seems to be a really, really promising resource in, in Hawaii. Of course, that isn't without its controversy, right? The, the 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 Puna facility it had shut down back in 2018 it's back on as of june 2021 producing 40 megawatts they can produce a whole lot more but then again that will be more than what the island consumes right so so and there will be a single source supplier um, challenge there will, of course, be being building other other facilities and the rest of the islands and maybe interconnecting them. So along with that, a, a submarine um, transmission cable or a series of cables would certainly be the answer. But of course, that also isn't without its controversy. So that, that in itself, now, there are definite benefits, right, to being interconnected. And the whole reason, for example, the mainland has the eastern interconnection, the Western has well, the Western interconnection and even ERCOT uh, on its own has its own interconnection that connects to either one through these small uh, these DC ties that are rather limited. But even then, they're able to rely on each other for some mutual aid whenever there's an issue. So the way the islands are now, it's they're basically just you see these micro grids com- compared to, to what we see here that are highly susceptible to disturbances. Right. And not to mention the fact that they're also uh, it, they have to rely on this expensive generation to be able to handle the uh the dispatch and the swings now um given that right it's it's uh and I want to ask jay in in this particular question so Jay, what is the appetite for for these uh, submarine transmission cables to interconnect the islands? I remember there was a project years ago that died there's a project again when Nextera Energy tried to acquire heCO. And that was one of the things they had on the table. And the, that also kind of like uh, there, there, there was a lot of obstacles with that and understandably so. So what would be the appetite now for something like that?
0: Mm-hmm. Not much appetite. No. Uh, this is, um, you know, this was a controversy. I don't know if it works this way, politically, socially, industrially, and the main- Culturally too, I think. So. You know, what, what happens is you have a big controversy. Uh, activists come in or you know there'll be lawsuits and a lot of media coverage um, and then if the activists win and the project is stopped which is what happened here um, it becomes radioactive Uh, and for the future um, nobody can get up to it no nobody can sidle up to it nobody can support it because it's been radioactive uh, mm-hmm. And it takes years, decades, a half-life, if you will, um, to get that project going again, and sometimes never. Uh, so I think I would put um, undersea cable, which you know we supported, and a lot of people who appeared on our Think Tech shows supported this project, um, but there were there was opposition to the extent that stopped it, and um, I don't think it's going to start again in the near term. Uh, I mean, there, there's
1: definitely work to do there, right? And 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 really, it's 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 a it's a lot of uh, from what I've seen, it, it could strongly be a perception issue, and that and that's that's never an easy thing. I mean, we're, uh, there there are other examples where successful, like the Transbay Cable in San Francisco, or California. There's another one that connects, for example, the UK to France. I mean, it's many many cables. Norway is for the thing. So so that you know that they, they and there's a lot of. The communications cables that that interconnect all the islands already, right? So, so it, it, it's really the perception of 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 laying yet another another set of cables between the islands that, that definitely gets people around, though. But uh, you know, there's always the, the upside, right? Where where it's it's it'll you have a greater greater reliability, you'll be able to meet your renewable goals a lot a lot sooner. And then, of course, it's the ultimate um, the ultimate uh, benchmark of of having prices from from kilowatt hour is significantly reduced, right? And and that, that that's definitely a difficult thing to balance, right? I think, and, and looking at that challenge, it's, it's, it's I still think that's a challenge that the items would, would benefit them greatly to re-examine and look at again at some point uh, with the-
0: with, uh, with oh, I agree with you absolutely, because it is yeah. obviously a, an efficient solution. Yeah. And it would create a statewide grid. It would mean sustainability and resilience for the system. Um, it would save us in times of, um, you know, natural disaster or otherwise, and so we really ought to look at it again.
1: Yeah, it, and 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 along with that is it's it's the same level of controversy, right? When you look at, for example, geothermal such as Puna, or even in the other items, right? It's really difficult to get uh, those projects at a, at a. Um, at a capitalized cost scale that, that, that makes it worthwhile, right? It's, if, if, if you build it too small, it, it's almost not worth it, right? Building it too big, then you just can't, you can't put those megawatts. Uh, you got nowhere to put all those megawatts, right? So, so, so it's finding that, that sweet spot of the size of the facility that'll definitely make it worthwhile. And, and aside from the economic aspects of it, it's just uh, something that, of course, get, to get it approved, uh, that's another challenge. Uh, as well, right?
0: So, so in Hawaii, all projects uh, go through the gauntlet, hmm. and uh, sometimes it it takes so long to get to the end of the gauntlet that they give up many times. I give up, yeah. well, well, I
1: it, it's it, it's definitely a challenge. Which which I mean, the way it's set up now, really, is it's even uh, uh, even throwing up a uh, uh, so, solar arrays right out there just to reduce the cost of of what they're paying ultimately is, is a matter of, um, it also has its, its, its controversies too, because, because now you're, you're, you're placing these facilities, you know, in potentially sensitive areas. And then you only have a certain, uh, certain geographical spots actually that that are favorable for, for that solar array. So then you have that controversy. And then uh, even battery storage itself, right? It's, a lot of it currently is is not very cost effective. They have a very limited number of cycles. Um, there, there is new technology and that, that that whole iron flow chemistry that we'll talk about in the next show, uh, see, it looks, it looks to be very promising, uh, very cost effective, uh, highly reliable. And and it's it's a lot far more, far safer than, than the existing options right now. So that may be something that's a saverable, it may serve as a, as a good interim solution or, or something to add to the mix, but it's still not without its challenges, right? These things are the size of shipping containers. And, and so you begin to throw those next to like a wind farm or a substation or any other generating facility to augment the capability of these places. And before you know it, right, it, it begins to look like a, like a seaport, you know, with a lot of these. <laughs> so, uh, so hopefully, my next show, the the guests I'm going to have will, will be able to clarify and show what what it is that that they they, they provide. But uh, it may be a good option for the island to, to look at. But at the same time, you know, it's these things. I mean, they they're we, we all have these goals of 100 renewable by a certain. I think it's 2035, 20, 20, or 2040 for
0: for Hawaii. 2040. 2040, right? So so that is uh, actually 2045. 2045
1: there are really two goals one is 2041 is 2045 so and, and those you know as 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 we come across these challenges and things that, that we come along the way i mean it, it's the other thing that the hawaii has to deal with of course is is the uh, the issues with uh weather right uh, jim and i are both very familiar with hurricanes uh, me being in florida him and he being in texas you know we see that quite a bit so that's another aspect right that eventually has an impact on your bill as well right so so uh getting ready for that and 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 uh, in florida for example a lot of it is natural gas so we're constantly so so all we see is is the majority of our portfolio is natural gas whereas in texas it's it's got a greater variety of sources right mm-hmm. but i can just imagine with, with hawaii it, it being mostly diesel fuel that's imported because there's also no drilling anywhere near hawaii from what i imagine right so that definitely has an impact
0: so so um where, where we are uh, GMO is in uh solar and batteries um you know for single family homes and maybe some condos uh yeah. are coming into you know play and the, the the regulators are allowing that. The uh, utility companies are encouraging that. Uh, Kauai is largely solar. Uh, mm-hmm. Oahu, not so much, but getting there, and the big island, yes. And you know if you if you look at the the mix right, in uh, the portfolio, if you will, mm-hmm. um, it's 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 weighted to solar in terms of the renewables, and it will probably increase in solar which makes uh, geothermal uh, a big of a, a bit of an issue. Because right. if you rely on geothermal and then for some reason there's another eruption, who knows what, mm-hmm. uh, then, then you don't have a backup on it. But I think that's where it's going. And I would really be interested in hearing from you guys about, you know, the vision you would have, including an undersea cable uh, for Hawaii. What should we be focusing on? Where, where should we put our – in what basket should we put our eggs? Um, what should we spend our money on and, and how can we get there?
1: Well, I've done a lot of talking. I'm going to let Jim answer that one first and don't mean to put him on the spot. But, uh,
0: go
2: ahead. No, Jim. no problem. Um, just just from what I've heard and what I've learned when uh, general asked me to get involved with this, the, the undersea cable seems to be the, like the engineering slam dunk for a lot of the issues um, about building generation, capitalizing on capacity, sharing back and forth, increasing reliability. Um, We're kind of an island here where I live in ERCOT in Texas. It's it's a big island with about 75,000 megawatt peak load, but we are not connected to the rest of the uh, mainland except through some DC ties. And those are mainly to help shave peak um, demand that we share back and forth um, with the Eastern and Western interconnections. Um, Barring the um, slam dunk of the cable, probably the storage that uh, Guillermo talked about, and I think you're going to go into a little bit more next week, that does a lot of things. Um, You can build the generation even above the capacity of your load and store it Mm-hmm. And and schedule the um, you know the discharge. We have nighttime, daytime, whatever. It gives you a lot of flexibility, and uh, at least in our business, and we help people integrate their resources into the grid and help them with some regulatory issues. Probably ninety percent of our business in the past two months, new business has been battery storage um, customers getting set up just in the county that i live in here in texas there are eight projects currently under development
0: are these utility projects or um community projects or individual projects
2: independent power producers Mm -hmm. and a lot of them are coupled with either an existing or a solar facility co-located so like we'd be standalone batteries or they can be co-located with a a solar or a wind facility. And so to help them manage their dispatch and be more available around the clock. And it takes care of that, um, to a certain degree, takes care of that variability, which has always been kind of the issue with renewables, whether it's wind or solar. But I mean, it's just, it's going crazy Um, here. Battery storage is, it's not coming, it's here. And right. it's getting bigger every day. Does that
0: does that mean you don't need to be concerned about interconnection with uh, you know outside of the immediate grid? Because uh, I, I remember that in the in the Texas um, you know, uh, blackout, what a year ago was it? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the big uh, issues was uh, not being connected, uh, not having the infrastructure to connect to other grids elsewhere, other states, what have you. Um, You know, I I certainly agree that we could use an undersea cable, but uh, it seems to me that the technology may be going to smaller grids that are not necessarily interconnected, but but that are more resilient. Your thoughts?
2: No, I think that's true as well. I, I, I do think the... The initial slam dunk would be the cable, but, but with the introduction of the batteries and the, the higher flexibility you have in dispatch, it does make the microgrids more capable, um, so to speak. So you're not, you're the risk of being exposed to that variability goes down a lot and it's just defining where that kind of critical point is to saying, okay, mm-hmm. we feel like we're pretty independent right now, given. You know, natural disasters and so forth. But for the most part, um, I don't know that it's going to take that long to get to that point for some smaller type entities, microgrids, and so forth. If they can get these batteries up and running, and like I said, they're they're being built like crazy here. Will we, we, we in ERCOT, ever get to that point? Um, for the most part, blackouts for us are at the distribution level and are a result of hurricanes. It has nothing to do with generation. It has nothing to do with transmission. It has to do with trees falling on power lines. Right.
0: You know, a year or two ago when Maria, did I tell you about this, Guillermo, when Maria came around to Puerto Rico? Yes. um, Yes. There there were these huge um, uh, uh, solar farms. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of them were built with a certain kind of fastener, and others were built with another kind of fastener. And I suppose um, one of them was built with a more expensive fastener, and another was built with a less expensive fastener. <laughs> and, and after the, uh, you know, the storm hit, uh, they noticed that the ones with the better fasteners stood, stood in place. Right. They were not destroyed. The ones with the lesser fasteners were completely wiped out, destroyed. Yep. Had to be redone, and so you know, to the extent of making a microgrid in Texas or elsewhere, um, you know, that will stand up against you know storms. And certainly Hawaii right. is at risk. Uh, you really have to use the best, most most uh, sustainable, most you know resilient uh, infrastructure that you can possibly find. Uh, yep. if there's anything yep. short of that, you you're exposed.
1: Well, not only that, though, a lot of those facilities in Puerto Rico, the, so, uh, a lot of the, the, the distributed energy resources that were on rooftop solar, uh, a lot of those weren't really built up to code. So, so, so they blew off. And in Florida, for example, uh, you want to throw panels up in your roof. It's, it requires a permanent inspection and then you know, it's, it's a licensed installer and that sort of thing because of the fact that, you know, if you're not careful, you're, you're putting a giant sail on your roof. That can not, not only get ripped off, but then potentially rip off your roof along with it, right? So because of the, the hurricanes. So I'm sure Hawaii has the same challenge, right? Um and 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 given that, right? It's it's uh, ultimately when it comes to utility scale solar, right? That that's one thing that the utility dispatches. But when it comes to distributed energy resources, which is a customer having their own solar and even battery storage at their homes, now not only are they they're, they're, they're very Micro, tiny micro, or nano grid, You know if you'll call it, but they also have the ability to to be dispatchable for the utilities, which now means that they can work in synergy with the with the utility to to provide power or store power or even be available for the utility during times of uh, of, of shortages, which you know everybody wins. I mean the utility avoids having to build the power plants or new transmission lines, and the customer you know has is, is obvious benefits as well. So, but then again, that requires a lot of a lot of new additional regulation that now will penetrate into the distribution side, and and that's uh, qu- quite a bit of what what with uh, Jim delves dip- into is the regulate the regulatory advisory services, right? And, and what we're seeing now is, is FERC is expanding its its a uh, its a uh, scope of. Uh, of, of compliance, you know, further and further into distribution. And we'll see that quite a bit uh, in the few coming years. It, it, it's going to be more,
0: more apparent, right,
1: that they're, they're, they're subject to these uh, regulations even more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think um, we need more energy. We need cheaper energy around the country mm-hmm. if we're going to rebuild our manufacturing base and yep. uh, improve our economy. And so, you know, where utilities used to be, remember the day when utilities were a, a, a grandmother's stock? <laughs> you yep. a utility stock and, and oh, yeah. clipped coupons and it, mm-hmm. it earned, you know, a point and a half or something. You know? Long-term <laughs> investment, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that's not so anymore. It's a very important industry um, and it's uh, connected at the hip with our economic future. Absolutely, and it's going, undergoing a lot of changes, quite a lot of changes. Yeah, to say nothing of all the technological changes. Oh, yeah. But the, this, uh, the thing with the oil now, that is going to, let's assume, you know, these sanctions stay in place. Let's assume that Europe just stays in a coalition and they're not going to buy Russian energy. Um, but, but of course, uh, oil is fungible. Mm-hmm. And you don't know exactly how the oil is getting into the system. Right. It could be getting in through the stock, the spot market, in any number of ways, and and Russia can sell the oil. Um, I I don't know where this market is going to go. Where do you think this market is going to go, and and what effect is this market going to have a on gas prices over the next six months, and b what effect is going to have on national policy over renewables? But right. well, uh, if I may, it's I think it's gonna it's going to. Uh
1: force the current administration to revisit what their policies are on oil. Uh, hopefully, I think coming out of all this, I mean, there's gonna be a, a, a greater balanced approach. Uh, it's, yes, still still work towards a renewable goal, but at the same time, have a balanced approach, right? It, it's, it's you, there's a, a lot of, a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of blaming, of course, on both sides, right? So, where, where one attacks the industry, the other one attacks, you know, it's is a foreign powers. But the truth is, it, it's it, there. There's a better way to handle this on both sides, right? And it really is a balanced approach. And it may require a little bit more production on our side, right? So be uh, so so the U.S. becomes another net exporter of energy, and uh, you know, while in the meantime, right, we we still, you know, this this will stay fresh in our minds, right? This vulnerability of being subject to to another country's that has an impact on all of our economies and all of our securities, right? So I think this will change things, hopefully in a positive way. That's my naive perspective, I think. I hope, I hope not, but but it's, it's definitely a place that I think we're gonna be headed to. And, uh, and I'm I'm anxious to see what'll happen in November, right? Because that's gonna be the midterm elections and that will definitely have an impact on on what what the result of that will be. So I think I think before then we'll make some changes because it will be important enough based on that. And I think
2: we'll we'll come out of this in a few months. I think a whole lot better. I hope. Jim? <laughs> No, I, I agree, and, and uh, as Jay mentioned, it's the interconnectedness of this worldwide market for oil. You can't just point to one place and say, that's the reason, that's the, the, that's where the spot price is, that's where the scarcity is, that's where the transportation pinch is. It's too big, and it's too interconnected uh, worldwide for that, so I, I think it's going to be a global response, um, whether it's increased production coupled with a decrease in demand. I mean, right. that's the two sides of the coin, and so looking forward to seeing that happen. Um, hopefully in the next four to five months, seeing, I noticed that here, our gas price went down a dime a gallon from yesterday. So right. maybe it's starting to go the right way.
0: <laughs> you never know.
2: Yep.
1: <laughs> you know, uh, quick, quick story. Uh, uh um, my wife and I bought a, bought a Tesla model three, the cheapest Tesla you can get. Right. We bought it back in January because we were like, uh, uh traumatized by the fuel prices back in november right so we bought it in january began to monitor how much it cost to fuel to, to power that thing up and, and and we we did a hypothetical of what that we will be costing us today and it would justify you know it's just amazing the 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 savings right just on just on fuel alone right so that makes such a difference i mean but at the same time now the the cost of a tesla has has gone up at, at least 10 percent they say so Supply and demand changes everything.
0: Should uh, I buy an electric car, gamma? <laughs> you know, I uh,
1: there's a strong indication that I think it might be a good idea at, at some point. <laughs> <laughs> as long you as you get don't, yours go yet, <laughs> don't go on long trips. Don't go on long trips. Ranging's
0: anxiety, yes. <laughs> still drives me crazy. Well, we're almost out of time. Let me ask you guys to um, you know uh, tell our viewers uh, your takeaway what you wanna leave with them today about oil prices and utility bills and and where they are and what affects them and uh, how how people in general around the country will be affected.
2: Uh, James, why don't you go first? Okay, thanks, Jay. Um, I I think it's encouraging that there are some levers to pull as far as innovation is concerned with the um, oil consumption, with the way utilities um, operate. The um, resources that are available to them are continuing to evolve and become more efficient and more widespread. So I'm optimistic about the future. Like I said, there, there are just more options to explore now than there were 10 years ago. And I think it's gonna be an exciting time in the next few years.
0: Absolutely, in so many ways. Guillermo, what, what would you like to leave with people? Well, I, I, I think Jim, Jim put it best. And
1: what I'll add to that is, I think this may, this may accelerate certain changes well, at the same time, uh, re, re, uh, refocusing the balanced approach, right, towards the renewable energy goal, and and um, you know there there are places where 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 people may have to you know, take a second look, a more objective look, for example, at the submarine cable or even the geothermal resources in Hawaii, for example, and then there's other things here in Florida, for example, we're far too dependent on natural gas when it comes to generation, so more diversity there is is is, is called for, so.
0: The, the, Are we the, in a position, Guillermo, to sell natural gas to Europe to replace We have coalitions? been already.
1: Ah. We already have been.
0: <laughs> yeah, we get and, it. And over they, there. Yeah,
1: they, they liquefy put it in ships
0: and ship it over. Ah, okay, okay. All right, great discussion. Uh, Guillermo Sabatier, uh, James Stanton, uh, Guillermo with HSI in Florida, and James with HSI in Texas. Thank you very much, gentlemen, for joining us. Thanks for having yeah. us. Aloha. Thank you.